providing biblical hope and practical help for life struggles. That's been the mission of the Hope for the Heart broadcast with June Hunt. Recently, June sat down with her friend and partner in ministry, Tanya Bredeheft, to talk about the hurt and unforgiveness she held on to in her early years. Perhaps in June's story, you'll hear your story and you'll discover hope. Stay with us for some important information about this radio program and some exciting news about things to come. Now, here's June and Tanya. June, it's so good to be back with you today, to be in conversation about so many things that are dear to your heart and ways that God has used you. Yesterday, we talked about the messiness in your life and that we all have this messiness in our life. Mm -hmm. During that time that things were really a struggle for you, sorting them out, life was messy, was there a time you just said, God, why would you do this? Well, I just said, if there is a loving God, why would he permit one person to cause so much pain? Talking about my father having multiple women and multiple families, and um, I couldn't figure that out. I thought, a God of love, how, how would he permit? Why would he permit? You know, it's hard when everything is so topsy-turvy. You never know if things are going to be angry or upset. And it was, you know, many months before I was willing to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Then I just knew he tremendously changed my life, and he gave me the security that I did not have at all growing up. So knowing that you've gone through this messiness to a place of security because God's Word is the truth and you're grounded in the truth, now it's time to go off to college. And I think most of your listeners probably think that you went to college and studied ministry and studied the Bible. Can you tell us a little bit about your college years? Well, actually, I was a a music major. The one Bible class I took, a teacher presented a phrase, God is now here. But all the letters were together. And he said, you see that phrase? Well, instead, if you just look at it where you put a space here, it's God is nowhere. So you really can't believe in the Bible. Wow. And that's how he was teaching the Bible. But thank God I had people who knew how to answer those questions because there are answers. It's just so often we haven't been exposed to the correct answers. Well, you know, hearing that story and hearing yesterday's uh, conversation with you, it's so easy to understand how everything with Hope of the Heart is grounded in the Word of God. And that Mm -hmm. was one of the things I've been most impressed about as I've been with the ministry all these years, because I know you're always going to go back to Scripture first and make the application. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's consistently what I've heard from you as we've talked in these conversations. So if we do have someone out there that's not sure... Go back to the Word, and if you don't understand the Word, you get with someone who's a more mature Christian, Mm -hmm. and they will talk you through, and you've had those people in your life. Yes. So now we're going to get out of college, and everybody thinks you have a degree in ministry or some sort, but you don't, and you were kind of surprised, I think, with an invitation to do something in ministry work. What, What was that? Well, the pastor of my church said, June, you are going to be our junior high director. I didn't actually want to do it, but I knew it was right to accept. This is one of the rare times you know it's the right thing and God confirms it to you. But I had 600 in the junior high division, 
120 leaders were part of that. I did not know how to lead. I was just out of college, and the leaders said, we will teach you how to lead. You're great with the kids. You're creative, and you mobilize them, and you reach kids that aren't uh, apart. Not engaged. Yeah, they're right. Mm -hmm. And so I learned volumes. I was like a sponge. So here you are leading and teaching and this is an important, I think, ministry point. So often, when we give of ourselves to others, God will use that to grow us. Oh. So here you were serving hundreds of kids and hundreds of parents, mm, but yet God was using that to grow you. That was the surprising thing. I had no idea. I thought the ministry was going to be for the kids. And then I have all these parents coming to me. Now, it's hard when you've had a very messy background. You know, when your parents really aren't married for 12 or 13 years of my life. So it had to be truly the grace of God. People thought I was so wise in what I said, and I was able to help. But I'm going to say this. About uh, 15 years later, after not being a youth director, I wrote the book I needed. It's Bonding with Your Teen Through Boundaries. It's ultra-practical to help parents know what to do and why you have a line that should not be crossed. And if the line is crossed, then there's a repercussion. If it's not, there's a reward, two R's. Repercussion, reward. The point is I, I detail exactly what you do when there's back talk, shirking chores, failing grades, all these scenarios. So in a strange way, even though I didn't know what to do in those earlier years, because there wasn't a boundary book out at that time. I later came back and wrote the book. I knew youth pastors and parents would need, and uh, I never will forget one woman uh, came up to me, and she said, I, I got your book last year. I have a senior in high school. She was a single mom, and I, I, I knew her. Uh, to a degree, just a little bit, but, you know, and she said it changed, totally changed the relationship I had with my son. I said, really? Because I knew this boy, and she said, I just had to go by what you put in your book, the practical aspect, and she said it made such sense when I read it, and it was fascinating because this young man was respectful from that point on, and I just kind of loved on him. Well, you know, I, I have three boys, all adults now, but more than once, probably hundreds of times since I've known you, I've thought, man, I wish I'd known that when I was raising my boys. Mm, and mm. I know that when you shared the story about how parents would come to you mm -hmm. with really difficult questions, what does God say about this? Where does scripture deal with this? And you said those questions were just kind of coming at you like rapid fire. Tell us a little bit about that and what you begin to think when you couldn't just easily find those answers. Well, part of the situation was they, they didn't say, what does the Bible say? Just that they give you their scenario, which is, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And um, what I learned to do, and I want you to imagine this, here, if I'm asked to now speak at a conference, when I didn't know the answer, then I would go back and find somebody that I knew 
knew the Bible and does, it, does the Bible address this? Where, where? And so I am a sponge. I was just absorbing the truth for practical application. This is what we are heavily known for. It's biblical hope and practical help. What do you specifically do? And to me, like when I was a youth director, I remember thinking, okay, I've just come from this meeting and here's all this information about there's a generation gap, blah, blah, blah. But where was the practical aspect? What do you do about it? That was the most frustrating to me uh, during those youth director days because there were a lot of conferences. But where was the practical help? What do you do? And so that's how I am made. And I think that's the case with most parents, though. You know, we have we have the scripture, you know, if we're trying to live by that. But then there's, I was talking to you about this the other day, there's this gap between here's the word, here's where I think we should land, but where's the bridge of practicality Mm -hmm. to get me where I know I need to go and how do I stay grounded in the word in order to get there? And I think that's, that's, your resources just help people with that bridge. Because people have so many areas. Uh, When I started doing these conferences, I would pass out three by five cards. And I would, let's say I had multiple sessions at a conference or a retreat. And uh, I would always request, could I have a Q&A session? And they say, oh, yes, that'd be great. They assumed people would raise their hands. I have a question. No, no, no. I knew not to do that because I couldn't have asked any questions out loud for people to hear. You knew you weren't going to get to the real intimate issues if somebody had to raise their hand and say that. And by putting it on a card, you gave them that privacy to be able to be transparent with their question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I specifically said, I want you to write down the biggest problem you have. Now, I don't start out there. I start with something like a session on why do I do what I don't want to do? And everybody's asked that question. But then at the end, now they're really thinking about their lives. And and I pass out these index cards. And I'll say, I want you to write down the biggest problem you have. The area where you can't get victory. Or you've tried and it's just not consistent. And then I gather the cards. It doesn't matter how many people. I've already told them I won't be able to get to everyone. Uh, I, I can't do this in the time frame I'm given. But here I have all the real questions that people ask. You know, I learned that um, people weren't asking me, oh, what are the five parts of Romans? My life is just so disrupted. Nobody asked that question. Now, I did do 10 years of teaching inductive Bible study, which gave me a background of really knowing the Word of God. But by this time, I knew what the questions by and large were. I was used to exactly kind of what people would tend to ask. Here were the stack dealing with anger, always a large stack. Here was the relationship of husband to wife or child to parent. I don't know what to do about this child. Uh, There were issues of grief, not being able to get over the grief or loneliness. I had all those cards, and if I didn't know where to go, I would research what does the Bible say about this. I wanted it to be practical. Again, biblical hope, 
practical help. So what does God say about it? And now what are the action steps going to be? And really, I was always looking forward to that session of the Q&A because some people would say it very differently. And sometimes uh, there were people, I would read, I'm having an affair. I know it's wrong, but I can't get out of it. Well, that's what my family upbringing was where my mom didn't know what to do and you, you say well you walk away well I know that's the easy answer but it's not as simple as that well you know talking about simple I know that and this was really a God gift to me in coming into the ministry um, I had some forgiveness issues and I think so often I, what I've learned from you is that that may be one issue, but that's also then tied to other issues mm -hmm. of things that are causing problems. And I really learned to forgive my dad who's passed away now based on time I spent with you and really learning how much God wanted to improve my relationship with my Lord by forgiving someone else. Mm -hmm. And the time I've spent with you, it just seems like forgiveness is an issue. It's a topic that somehow just hit so many people. Can you just talk a little bit about forgiveness and for mm -hmm. somebody who's listening right now that has kind of shelved it and pretended they don't need to? Many people like me uh, thought forgiveness was wrong or they can think it's impossible. And I, I wrote a book called How to Forgive When You Don't Feel Like It. Well, I didn't feel like it, and so I didn't. But I didn't know what to do about the scriptures. For example... Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Well, I didn't deserve to be forgiven by God. And if I'm going to forgive as God forgave me, it's not because it's deserved. I, I had to really think about this. One, one of the amazing scriptures is, um, Tanya? Did you grow up ever hearing the Lord's Prayer? Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we see in the Lord's Prayer is, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So if you've prayed that prayer and were actually sincere, I thought, Oh, no, God, please don't forgive me like I have forgiven others. Please don't forgive me like I've forgiven my dad. And so I didn't know what to do with some of these scriptures. Well, this is what I did. I just did a word study. The word forgive means release. It means to lift off or send away. So you think, what do you mean? Well, the offense where I wouldn't forgive was how my father treated my mother. It's like, hurt me, don't hurt her. But, you know, that just wasn't what was happening. And so all the negatives that I had no control over when I was especially a teenager, I had anger. If you look at anger, anger is just a secondary response to one of four causes. What are the causes of anger? Ah, Hurt, injustice, fear, and frustration. Frustration, what do you do if you can't do anything about it? Hurt, it, it hurt my heart. I know I had that. Injustice, it was unjust what I saw going on. And then the fear was I knew we could easily be thrown 
to the streets and no security whatsoever because of some words that were said and all. I had the anger, but to me it was logical. Again, I'm rational. So it's practical. It makes sense when somebody tells me they cannot forgive. Mm -hmm. So what I uh, do today is if somebody says I cannot forgive, and if I'm speaking before a large group, I'll say, how many of you know what it's like, like me, unable to forgive? And the hands go up. Now, mentally, I've already picked two people. And so at the end, I would pick one of the two people, and I would say, what has been? I said, would you help me? Would you be willing to help me? Well, everybody's willing to help me. <laughs> and so, so I bring them up, and now I put a meat hook around their neck, and I put a burlap bag, and I have all these rocks, and I'll say, what was so painful that you could not forgive? And this man was telling me about how painfully he was treated by his dad. He didn't matter, and all these negatives. And so I just kept putting one boulder after another into this burlap bag and he said it's kind of heavy I said yeah well what would it be like if you carried this around your neck the rest of your life and his response was I'm a runner I couldn't run I said God did not create you to carry this amount of weight for you to carry a hundred extra pounds instead that's why he's offered forgiveness for you to forgive you're releasing all of the offenses taking them off of your hook putting them onto God's hook and you're releasing the offender you're not letting him off the hook you're taking the offender off of your hook putting the offender onto God's hook because God says in the Bible it is mine to avenge I will repay so you're not letting somebody off the hook. And so bottom line, I remember this man literally taking that weight off of the hook and being able to pray a prayer of forgiveness. Now what's interesting, I'm going to say this, this is important. This man had tremendous relief and release and others in the room experienced the same thing. But there was a man who came to me and he said, June, I want to talk with you. I said, please come. So we sat on my couch and he said, I've prayed the salvation prayer, but it doesn't work. And so I thought, well, maybe he doesn't know what the salvation prayer is. So I covered what it really means. He said, no, I understand all that. I know I'm not saved. And I'm sitting here thinking, God, please, Give me, give me what your wisdom is on this. I don't know where to go. And then I remember a scripture, two verses following the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. If you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive them, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. So I turned in my Bible. I showed him the scripture. I said, is it possible there's someone you refuse to forgive. And he said, yes, my ex-wife and she doesn't deserve to be forgiven. I said, oh, she must have hurt you deeply. Yes, she did. And I repeated, if you do not forgive another person, your heavenly father will not forgive your sins. 
I said, is it possible this could be a block to your salvation? Long, long pause. I will not do it. He stood up and stormed out. And actually, I didn't see him again. Nine months later, I was in Prescott, Arizona. Same thing. Same statement. I prayed the prayer of salvation. I know I'm not saved. So I'm thinking back. And I mentioned this scripture. Is there someone you refuse to forgive? And she said, yes, my ex-husband. And he went off with my best friend. And now my children and I are barely making it. I said, well, listen to this scripture. And I said, do you see this could be a block to your salvation? And she said, well, then obviously I do need to forgive. I said, well, if that's a block where you are refusing to give him control of your life, yes. And so right then and there, she prayed the prayer of forgiving her husband and the former best friend. And then we led her into the prayer of salvation and she received Jesus. She had a true changed life through Christ. Now for a person who has genuinely received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, according to the Bible, you receive eternal life. So how long is eternal? Forever. Forever, that's right. And so you can't lose a gift that you've been given that's going to last forever when it's from God. But again, the word forgive means release. So you are not released of that bitterness or that burden of uh, not doing what the Lord tells us to do, and that is to forgive. We are to release that person and allow that person uh, to be dealt with by God. So it's not a loss of salvation, but again, for some, a lack of forgiveness can be a block to their salvation when they, with a closed fist, say, I refuse to forgive. So there's a lot to forgiveness that we need to know that many times we don't know. But what a privilege when we're able to be set free to experience the freedom of forgiveness. June, I cannot thank you enough. And you and I have had conversations about how your teaching has personally impacted my life on forgiveness specifically and with my father. And I just, I know that there are people out there right now listening to you and they're saying, that was me, you know, or that is me right now. And how might my relationship with Christ be stronger if I could release and forgive the way Christ released and forgives me? So thank you for those blessings today. Tomorrow we're going to come back and talk some more about some new things. But we really appreciate the deep dive on some of these issues that are really holding up people from being all God wants them to be. You're listening to a special week of programs here on Hope for the Heart with June Hunt. By now, you've probably heard that this Friday, October 2nd, this broadcast will transition off the air. But the Ministry of Hope for the Heart and June Hunt will still be around. In fact, we have some exciting new areas of ministry, including a new website with June's teaching and resources. The name? JuneHunt.org. Again, that's JuneHunt.org. You can also listen to her on her nighttime radio program, Hope in the Night. You're going to hear more from June tomorrow. But right now... Here she is with a message about hope. We all need a storm anchor in our lives, primarily because at different times we'll be going into a storm 
coming out of a storm or finding ourselves in the middle of a storm, in the midst of our own personal storms. Rather than drowning in a sea of hopelessness, the Lord calls us to put our hope in Him, allowing Him to be our anchor and relying on His promises. As Christians, God promises to give us hope. Look at Romans 5. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. For more about this hope, visit hopefortheheart.org. For June Hunt, I'm Joe Wolf. Thank you for joining us today. And remember that there is hope, no matter the circumstance. Meet us back here tomorrow for more Hope for the Heart. 